Hebrews chapter 11, if you'll start there with me this morning. Hebrews chapter 11, am I on? Okay. And if you would look at verse number 1, the Bible says, Now faith... Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Look down, if you would, in verse number 30. Here's one of uh, the examples of faith. In verse 30, the Bible says, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. I want to speak this morning on the subject of faith to see. Faith to see. Not seeing before you have faith, but having faith in order to see. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for the Bible conference. It means much to me. I thank you for this place to come and hear from you. I pray that you would bless each message that's preached. Father, you have a desire to grow us in you through your word. And so I pray that you would do that. Thank you for those that have ministered to me through the preaching of your word over the years uh, from this pulpit uh, and, uh, and, and on Glendale as well, Lord. Just those memories of hearing your words proclaimed. I ask you to use me, Lord, today to encourage someone else as I have been encouraged and that your word would be magnified and Jesus Christ would be honored and that if anybody talks about the services today, they talk about Jesus and his word. And I pray that you would bless this time together. There might be someone this morning that really needs this message. Lord, uh, providentially, will you allow me to be used to deliver it? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Joshua is a strategic book in the Bible. It's the sixth book in the Old Testament. It's the first book named after a person. Often we focus on the first five books of the Old Testament because they are foundational to our faith. And we can learn a lot, uh, even as a Christian, based on what those books say and what they, what they highlight. All things, are written, things written for time are written for our learning. And we're, we grow as a Christian just looking at what God did through the nation of Israel. Joshua is a strategic book because it's there to show the conquests and the division of the land. Doctrinally, it actually fulfills part of the Abrahamic covenant and God's promise to Abraham to give them a land. Now, that's not completely fulfilled uh, yet, but it is coming to a city near you very soon. And he will fulfill his covenant that he made with Abraham. And so this promise that he made uh, is being fulfilled in the book of Joshua. We're going to go to Joshua here in a second. In fact, why don't you go now and just turn, put your hand somewhere in the book of Joshua. I'll tell you where it will be in a second. But if you think about the first five books of the Bible, their placement and what the content of those books kind of give us some spiritual, maybe even devotional truths, they, the, whole, the books as, as a whole. Genesis is the book of what? Beginnings, right? It begins with life and ends with a dead man. In Genesis chapter 50, a dead man that is embalmed and he's in a coffin in Egypt. He wants to get out and he has instructions for after he dies, what to do to his body. His lineage are trapped in Egypt. They have no way out. They're held captive by a cruel taskmaster, a type of the devil, a type of the Antichrist, the God of this present evil world. 
Exodus then comes along and teaches us about the exit from Egypt, a miraculous deliverance of man and woman and boy and girl from the power of Egypt. And Egypt is set free, so to speak, from the Antichrist, Pharaoh. And they're delivered, and they're delivered by the blood of a spotless lamb. Exiting Egypt. Leviticus then teaches us about how to be joined to God and holiness. Israel learned how to worship God in the wilderness. And they learned how to have a direct connection with the living God. Numbers is that book of the Bible where you fall asleep. Stronger coffee is needed during the book of Numbers, where numbers and names are listed ad nauseum, it seems. I'm I'm speaking a little bit facetiously, but there are times when you're in the middle of the dukes that you say, Lord, I've never met one. Why are we talking about dukes? But God's concerned about it because it's actually a book more of a contrast of faith and unbelief. There's some tragic things that happen in Numbers. And they're delivered in Exodus by the blood of a spotless lamb. But then the majority of the people don't believe God's promises and they begin to wander in the wilderness. I noticed something about what God says. The ten spies that were bad, all they did is talk about what they saw. They talked about what they saw. They showed the grapes. But then they also talked about the giants. And you know what God's estimation of that was? His report card was, that was evil. It was evil. They were being honest with what was there, but they were bringing an evil report. They made the heart of the people melt. And they wouldn't grow, and you and I don't grow, in the wilderness of unbelief. And then Deuteronomy comes along. That's that second giving of the law. This is the book where God says, really, hey, this time, if you'll believe what I tell you, and you love me, you can go into the promised land. My commandments are not grievous. You can step into the promised land and see victory if you will believe me, and you'll follow me out of love. That's what Deuteronomy is teaching us. So then we come to Joshua, and Joshua is the book of victory. Joshua is an incredible man in the Bible. Faced great odds, faced a lot of opposition, but had uh, God's promises. And even though he had fear, he stepped out and did what God asked him to do. Now, if you're in the book of Joshua, can you just flip right over to Deuteronomy chapter 34? And I want you to see something that's so true. Since we're kind of looking at the placement of the books of the Bible... Something that is so true about the Christian life, you have to understand. You have to grasp this truth. Deuteronomy, if you'll notice, that in verse 12, and in all, so chapter 34, verse 12, and in all that mighty hand, and in all the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. Who is alive in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 12? It's Moses. Look at verse 1 of Joshua. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, here's the truth. When it came to seeing victory in the promised land, Moses couldn't take Israel. Couldn't take them in. 
Why? Moses represented the law. Joshua is the equivalent of the Old Testament Jesus. Their names are the same. And you have to rely on Jesus, on Joshua, to see victory in the promised land. You're not going to see it by keeping a list of rules. It's going to be Jesus that gives you the victory. And so here is Joshua taking them into the land. The law giver could not deliver God's presence, God's power, and God's victory. John 1.17 says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And so if you have, want to have faith to see victory, you have to follow Joshua. You have to let him lead you. Now, Joshua chapter 6 is what Hebrews chapter 11 verse 30 is referencing. We're going to go there this morning in the few moments that we have. The first city that Israel faces is a veritable fortress. It is large. It looms over a nation of slaves. Yes, Israel had about 600,000 mighty men, but they had no military experience. This is the next generation going in, and maybe they learned a little bit more. But for 40 years, according to the Bible, they're waiting on carcasses to die. They're waiting on the generation that didn't believe to pass away so they could go in. So I don't believe they're really uh, necessarily prepared to fight this city. Archaeologists, if you can believe them, they say that uh, during Bible times that Jericho had an inner wall that was about 12 foot thick and an outer wall that was about 6 foot thick. And both of those walls stood about 30 feet tall, and there were houses or villas that were built on the summits. And you've seen, uh, there's still, there's still uh, castles today that you can go visit that look pretty similar. I was able to be in one in, in uh, England that was 1385. Incredible. And so the king of Jericho is standing here at the conquest, the beginning of the conquest quest of the promised land. He is strategically placed there to protect anybody coming from the east into that way. It's a veritable fortress. These double bolstered walls. They had an armed populace. They had a plan. And he's standing there in complete defiance to the nation, the rabble nation of Israel. They knew their territory. And they knew that Israel, it was, it was in the newspapers, that Israel was there to defeat them. Everybody knew about it. And so they went with their plan. And yes, they feared, and it was scuttlebutt there in Jericho, that what Jerusalem, or excuse me, what, what Israel had done at Jordan, what Israel had done uh, to, the, to Egypt, to the, the, the Egyptians, and They were afraid, but he was still standing there defiant, the king of Jericho, against Israel. Bring it on, so to speak. We're ready for you. Yeah, they heard about God, but they're going to stay and fight in spite of that. Jericho's storehouses are full, and they're ready for a long, long siege. And they're hoping that they 
will escape this defeat. Hmm. And then comes Israel. And then comes Joshua. And I want you to see in verse 1 of Joshua 6. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. We're in full battle mode. The Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho, I like this, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go around about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. If you want to see, or rather, if you want to have faith to see, there are some things you must do. Number one, you must believe God's battle plan for victory. You must believe God's battle plan for victory. What does that mean? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You have to abandon your trusted battle plan. You see, what Jericho is doing is they are employing the, uh, the old fortress mentality of warfare. It's been made obsolete by you know, modern weaponry because we can launch things over the wall now. They could launch then, but remember, this is a double-walled city. This is a strong fortress. And, and, and the king is trusting in those great walls, that fortified city. And Jericho's battle strategy was tried and proven. Listen now, it was conventional. It was military textbook to do this. Close the city off, get the archers on the wall, don't let anybody go in or out, and let them try to take us down. You see, that was, that was trusted. That made sense. It was logical. It was safe. What God asked Israel to do in verse 3 through 5 was ridiculous. All the men, over 600,000, are supposed to walk around the city, surround it, six days. One time each day. On the seventh day, seven times. And read on with me, if you would, verse 5. It came to pass that when they made long blast with the ram's horn, and when Ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat. And the people, notice what the Bible tells us, shall ascend up every man straight before him. Wow. On the seventh day, after the seventh time around the walls, they blow the ram's horns, and the people are finally allowed to talk, teenagers, and the wall of the city falls down flat. Now, people have said maybe that fell in this way. I tend to believe it fell outward. If you look at old cities, old castles, you'll see what around that city? A moat. If they're going to send straight up in front of them, God made a ramp. A ramp. They climb up the city, and like some video game, here they go with ram's horns, I guess. And, ah! And here, I mean, all those houses... Destroyed as that wall, those walls just go out and fall down flat, and you have a ramp. Listen, what Israel was asked to do for seven days was absolutely ridiculous. But this was God's plan. 
God's battle plan. It was a supernatural plan, not a natural plan. Man proposes and God disposes. Why do you think that God did it this way on the first city of the conquest? Well, the principle of tithing is important. You see it here, and you see that they didn't, one man didn't follow it, and the nation paid for that. And so I think that principle applies as well. I want the first city. The first city's mine, God says. And in, and in accomplishing a supernatural battle plan, you will get no glory out of it. Your battle plan doesn't work in this case because it's all about my glory, God says. It's all about what they'll talk about after. There's fear in the nations already about what Israel can do with the God of Israel, but they've not heard about this before. Every nation say we can put up our walls. We can follow the regular battle plan, and it'll work. We, and that's why we're still here, by the way, is we followed our plan. God said, I'm going to do something in this in this. This area, this promised land that people are going to talk about forever. If you have, want to have faith to see, you have to follow God's battle plan. And he wants to have you totally rely on him. See, these are God's peculiar people. It was going to take peculiar means. Peculiar doesn't mean weird. It means belonging unto. That author has a peculiar writing style, we say. Why? Whatever, however he writes, you can tell it's him. And God's peculiar, by the way, if you look at the word peculiar, it's almost always attached to treasure. The word treasure. It's amazing. So you say, oh, I'm a weird, I mean, we're, we're supposed to be peculiar, weird, independent, fundamental Baptist. We're, you know, we're peculiar people. We're, no, it means you belong to someone, and they love you so much, they think you're a treasure. And that's what God did with his nation. He says, you are peculiar, and what I'm going to do in Jericho, people are going to talk about for the rest of time. But it's not going to be your regular means. It's not going to be your victory. Jesus said, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. In order to see, or have faith to see, you must believe God's battle plan for victory. You abandon your own, and then you see it by faith. You see verse 2? Here's what the Lord said to Joshua in verse 2. He said, see. See what? See, victory. Uh, There is no victory, God. I see a wall. I see a nation that's been wandering around in the wilderness. No, no. I want you to see. I want you to see this first. See, notice this, past tense. I have given. It has already happened. In order for you and I to have faith to see... We must have, we must see it before it even happens. Are you with me this morning? See, the captain of the Lord's host speaks in the past tense like it's already happened. Listen, Christian, you and I already have the victory. 
I remember being a young man and thinking, how did those older men get victory over these sins? Did they put themselves in the right place? Did they go to the altar so many times? Is it luck of the draw? Is some people's flesh different than other people's flesh? How did they get the victory over those things? You know what I've learned? They didn't. They didn't get the victory. It was not theirs to get. It was theirs to claim. You say, I'm struggling with something right now. It's already been defeated in Jesus Christ. The, the, listen, he said, see, you see it? You see it, Joshua? It's already taken down. I've already def- defeated Jericho. God does not want you to go out and fight and then come back and say, man, isn't God good? No. He wants you to see that God is good and he can do anything and then go out and fight. And that's the way it is in your, the rest of your Christian life. It's always about going back to who God is and what God can do. And then you see it. And then you act. Listen, I'm not talking about having perfect health. I think many of you in this room realize. Doesn't matter what the prosperity gospel preachers preach. Doesn't matter what the health and wellness say. We all get sick. We all die. None of our great thinking or great preaching or fundraising is going to fix it. I'm not talking about perfect health or you're going to suddenly become independently wealthy. I'm talking about spiritual victory. Spiritual victory. Believe that your Joshua has already given the victory. You have to believe it by faith. You have to believe it by faith in order to see it. Number two. You must follow through on God's plan for victory. You can't just believe God's battle plan for victory. You must follow through on it. In the next verses, all through chapter 6, Israel receives the command from God via Joshua, and then Israel has to act upon it. I can't imagine, actually I have a pretty good imagination, these mighty men, these guys, right? That's what mighty men do. And... uh, they are out there, 600 men. Here we go. Yes. Out of Egypt. Been waiting for a long time for this. Here we go. All right, guys, I got our plan. I got our plan. You know that big whoa you give every time? You're not going to be able to give it for seven days. And you know what's bad? Here's, here's, what, here's what I think the Lord wants. I know this is what God said. God said, he said, uh, I want you guys just to walk around with a box, okay? This, this box. I want you to walk around the city with this box. And uh, every mighty man likes to hang around musicians. And um, I got these musicians with these trumpets, and they're going to go like, they're going to hold them like this. Ready. But they're just going to, six days, I want you to just, it's a band that doesn't play for six days. No, think about this. After all that we've read, and by the way, in Deuteronomy 7, God already said all those nations are defeated. In Deuteronomy 7, I've already defeated those nations. All right, so we're going with God's word into the promised land. Here we go. What do we do? Take a hike. Go back to Gilgal at night. Go back in your tent. Can you imagine that talk in the tents? Joshua? 
He ain't no Moses. I'm telling you that. See, Moses would go up in the mountain. Now, we, we had a little problem with Moses going away. But when he came back down, his faith was on fire. And, and I'm telling you, he had those tablets with God's finger. And he came down. And I mean, it was bad. I remember, remember, I remember my granddad talking about how hard it was to, to uh, drink gold. I mean, it was tough. I had to drink this cup of gold, my dad said. Because we, we, we built this calf. And then he melted it down and made us drink an energy drink. <laughs> and, and I'm telling you, something's up with Joshua. He's, he's not quite there, man. He's going to embarrass the nation of Israel by walking around the city. Isn't that interesting? Oh, you know they talked. They just weren't allowed to talk when they were around the walls. But men talk in their tents at night, right? I hear girls do as well. This was a, a hard plan not just to believe. It was a hard plan to follow through. How do you defeat Jer- Jericho? Let me give you some points. And then for the last few minutes, I'm going to show you the character that stands out to me the most in Joshua chapter 6. How do we follow through on this plan? Number one, you obey and follow Joshua. Obey your Joshua, the Lord Jesus Christ. What he tells you to do. Obey the human Joshua that God has in your life. And follow through. And get up. It's ridiculous to walk around and not talk, but it's what God said. Number two, be patient. Be patient. Aren't you thankful that, uh, that they knew how many days they were supposed to walk? <laughs> You don't take 600 men around a city for six days and not do anything and not tell them anything. You're going to have an insurrection. So they had, they had time, and they knew. And you know that day six was hard. When day seven came, at least there was a different routine on day seven. Follow through and be patient. Move forward by faith, not by sight. What are we, what are we doing as we're walking around the city? God said this nation is already ours. I don't understand why we're doing this right now. But I remember Moses saying in Deuteronomy 7 that these nations are mine. And right now, I'm walking around because Joshua said supposed to walk around. But I have hope that very soon, God's going to do something. Number three, following through on God's battle plan means you trust God to do the impossible. See, difficulties in your life are a walk in the park. For God. Do exactly, number four, what God says, when God says to do it, and, and, and do your best to pay attention to every word. I love what the Bible says in Acts 17 about the Bereans. They were more noble, more noble than those that were in Thessalonica. Why? They received the word with all readiness of mind, and they searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So, can, can I say this? That's the Christian life in one verse. What did he say? What did Pastor Marshall say? Yeah, right. Oh, that's what he said. Okay. And the trouble is, okay. That's the trouble. You know what the next verse, Acts 17, 12 says? Because they were more noble than those in Thessalonica and searched the scriptures daily, therefore, many of them believed. Your belief is attached to the Word of God. And how much time you spend in it, honestly, is how much faith you're going to have. 
Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the words of God. It's not just walking by the word so you can answer the right questions on Sunday night. It's walking by the word so that you have faith to walk in the world. If you don't have the words, you don't know how to walk. And that's what Israel is doing at this time. The mighty men are walking around holding on to words. Yep, it's going to happen. Another way to follow through is to encompass the enemy with the words of God. ID the enemy in your life and circle it with God's words. So I have a problem with lust. Read the Bible and do a word study on lust. And then whenever that sin comes up, you just throw, you circle that problem with the words of God. Here's another thing. Remain silent (laughs) and shout only when instructed. Listen, surprise is imperative in warfare. It's, it's the, the element of surprise is needed. Yes, yes, Jericho has their plan. Yes, they have their walls. But God has his shock effect. He always shocks us, doesn't he? He surprises us. Who hath mo- known the mind of the Lord? My thoughts are not your thoughts. He says, hey, Israel, just be quiet. Man, that's hard. Now, I don't read about teenagers in the 600,000 mighty men, but there might have been some. Have you ever had your... My my dad's not here this morning to hear this, but we will be riding down the road. Every father knows what their vehicle sounds like when you're traveling. Am I right? Kids, this has got to understand. We, We know what it sounds like, and we know when it doesn't sound right. So my dad, every once in a while, would say, <laughs> be riding along, silence! I'm like, what's going on? And he's listening. When you're, when you're driving an 18-ton bus and you have a bad tire, it's not just pulling over here to tire man. Okay, so this is a big deal. And I, I didn't realize that until I got older of what that silence was, why it was needed. It was for focus. It was to be able to identify. Sometimes you have to be still and wait. You have to let God work his plan out. You'll have to let God tell you when to shout. Follow through. Let me get another thing in order to see God's victory. Don't take any spoils for yourself. This world's not your home, right? This is God's city, by the way. That's dedicated to me. Jericho's mine. Don't take from this world. Verse 19 could tell you that take the most precious things for the Lord's treasury only. For the Lord's treasury only. Now, I want to give you something in the closing minutes that I have about the person that's mentioned in this chapter. We're going to flip over to another, another place. But in verse 17, there's one command that God gave Israel after they defeated Jericho. And it says, And the city shall be accursed, even it, and all that are therein to the Lord, only Rahab, the harlot, shall live. She and all that are with her in her house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. Would you go to Joshua chapter 2 this morning? We're going to finish up with this last point. In order to have faith to see, you must see the greater mission. There's a greater mission than just your battle that you're facing. There's a greater thing going on than just the six days of walking around not talking. There's something more that we're involved in 
than he said, she said, they said. And in Joshua chapter 2, you find this lady of ill repute that had faith to see. In verse 8, the Bible says, And before they were laid down, these are the two spies that came in secretly, verse 1, and spied out the nation, and they came to this harlot's house, thinking it was a strategic place that, that those in Jericho would never think Jewish men would go. But there were other people that would go there as well, am I right? And so they go to the harlot's house to try to hide. She hid them on the roof. In verse 9, she says this, This is amazing to me. And she said unto the men, I know. She had, as a woman using her body for herself and for the devil, more faith than all the nation that said, we're not going to the promised land. Why? Look at, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. It sounds like what the Lord said in chapter 6, verse 2. I have given into thine hand Jericho. She said, I know you gave the Lord's given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Notice this, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water to the Red Sea for you when ye came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sion, and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard those things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Listen, in Joshua chapter 6, in the middle of the melu and destruction that's taking place, death and men dying, God gives grace to one house. The house of Rahab. Because she hid the spies, and because she believed their words, she put that line of scarlet thread in her window. And she was spared. Now, for time's sake, I'm just going to go through a couple things. Rahab is a Gentile. Rahab is a Gentile that is strategically in God's line of, of, of judgment. Her city's going out. It's going to be destroyed. Why? 400 years, squatters have been on God's land. And he's kicking them out to put his people on the land. He's not a God not, does not give genocide. He takes back what's, what's his. And so he's going to judge. And Jericho is on God's military map. That city's going down. Guess who's in that city? A Gentile? A bad Gentile. A Gentile with a reputation. And she's living in a city that's under the pending judgment of God. But she heard the words. And she heard the works of God. And she believed those words. And she acted in faith. And she was spared the judgment. Now I want you to see, we're, we're, we're wrapping up here, verse 12. She said, now, we're in Joshua 2, verse 12. Now, therefore, I pray you, swear unto me, she's talking to the spies, by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. I need some token that I won't be destroyed. And that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren 
and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, our life for yours. If you had or not our business. And it came to pass when the Lord hath given us, and excuse me, and it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. She lets them down to verse 15 by this cord. And they said, leave this cord in the window. It will be a token. This scarlet thread. It'll be a token. It'll be a promise. It'll be a sign that this is the house where faith was seen. And this is the house that will be spared. Notice in verse 18, they said, we will follow through on this. Don't, don't tell where we've been. Don't, don't reveal. But if you'll hide us, and if you'll put this scarlet thread in, and if you'll do this in verse 18, Joshua 2, 18, thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. You see, she was given a promise if she, if she hung this scarlet thread in the window, she and everybody inside that house would be under the protection of that scarlet thread. She was saved only by that scarlet thread and her faith to actually hang it out the window. That thread probably hung out there at least for a week. Everybody knew Rahab's house. They knew who she was. And that thread is hanging out the window, and you got to know that her family's saying, you want us to do what? Look, Rahab, isn't it enough that you've chosen this lifestyle? Now you have to try to make fools of us and make us jam in the house? N- nobody really, really wants a bunch of extra people in the house. Dad? Nobody really wants... More people jammed inside a home, especially friends and family, and friends and friends and family and family, right? Some of you are housing people right now for Bible conference. You're okay right now. Friday? You're going to be hanging people by scarlet threads. All right. Uh, You'll be done. And she has a, a reputation already. But her faith in the words and the act of actually hanging out that scarlet thread saved her life. But there's a greater truth. Go with me as we finish in Joshua 6. Go back to Joshua chapter 6. In order to have faith to see, you must recognize there's a greater mission. There's something greater going on. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 22, she is spared, and Joshua said, But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman. And notice this phrase, And all... That she hath, as ye swear unto her. All right, so guys, find Rahab. I mean, there's destruction everywhere. But there is one house against the silhouette, silhouetted against the sun that is still up. That's the house. Now I want you to go over there and find out who's in that home. <laughs> and bring them out. Verse 23. And the young men that were spies went in, are you catching it, church? And brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had. And they brought out all, all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. 
Rahab had so much faith. I don't know what that lady did. But whatever she did, it was motivated by faith. It was motivated by the mission to reach her family. To save someone else. And she did whatever it took to convince them that even though I'm a harlot, and even though I've been under God's judgment, and even though I've lived a wicked life, and even though I know right now you have no reason to believe me, I'm one of those kooks that puts things in their window. But I'm telling you, if you'll get in this house, you're going to live. You'll be spared. If there's any possible way I could convince you to get under the blood, you'll be, fa- you'll be spared. And I don't know what Rahab did. She couldn't rely on her reputation, and neither can you. I don't know what Rahab could do. She couldn't rely on cleaning her lifestyle up. Neither can you. Neither can I. I'll tell you, I know what she relied on. She had a scarlet thread hanging down in a window. And they were attached to words. Words that she trusted. Words that she held on to. Oh, will you think with me in closing this morning? All during those six days. Israel is compassing that city with an eerie silence. Rahab is listening. What is going on? And the men on the walls are preparing. I see them, here they come. And her family and her kindred in the house saying, Rahab, tell us again what you said. What, what, what are these... Two men that came to just, and you hid them. What, what, what was that again? No, 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 shush, don't, don't, don't focus on that. Focus on the words. Focus on what was told us. If we'll stay in this house and we put that up, we'll be fine. On the second day, quiet. This box is going around the city. These mighty men are walking. What's going on? Day three, day four, day five, day six. What's happening? What's happening? Day seven, something's different. Did you catch that, Bible believers? Day seven, something's different. Something's getting ready to happen. Seven times around that wall, and then all of a sudden, shout! And the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. What happened? Judgment was on everyone else. But she was spared. Faith to see. Faith to see when your neighbor's house falls over. Faith to see when everyone makes fun of you. Faith to see when all you have is a thread. Hold on to it. She did. And she was spared. Here's my closing thought. It's not just about getting yourself under the blood. It's about doing whatever God will allow you to do to convince others to get under the blood. We've heard it. I think this is the third time God said it. There are other people that need to be reached. 
There are other people that need you to show them that, yes, your past is sorted. And yes, you'd like to get over it. And yes, all you got is a thread. And you're trusting a book made out of paper. But it's not what it is. That thread didn't save them. That wasn't the thing. It was a token. It was a sign of what actually saved them. And Hebrews tells you, now hope, faith is the uh, thing of hope for. Evidence of things not seen. It's the substance. She wasn't trusting that thread. She already talked about what God did to all the other nations. She didn't think a thread was going to spare her. She's trusting words. God's words. And if you want to see victory in your Christian life, young men, I'm telling you, you need to do the practical things. Make no provision for the flesh. Do the practical things. Right? Have accountability. Talk to someone. But it's not them. And it's not you. That gives you victory. And let me tell you. Here's one of the big things you need to remember. There's someone else that needs to be reached. And if you don't see victory. They may go to hell. There's a bigger picture. There's a bigger mission. Do you have faith to see it? Father. Thank you for Rahab, one of the women of faith, a cursed lady like me, in the wrong family like me, in a cursed city like me, having sinned her way through life like us. She believed the words, and so have I. And she trusted those words that she would be spared. Thank you, God, that you said, to him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Help that one, that maybe two, that need faith to see today. Encourage them, we pray in Jesus' name.